0: What's up familia this is day spring in another solo episode another solo rant we did a rant or solo episode last week for new york comic-con and the amount of dms i got about that was great so many wonderful dms i can obviously rant for hours especially about my own opinions uninterrupted I always feel bad when we have folks on the podcast or if I'm on someone else's podcast because I'm like, I, I I always have so many opinions and so many feelings and it's just bombolating. So I'm either two modes. I'm either really quiet, letting other people speak because I don't want to be that person who literally monopolizes the entire conversation. Or I literally just keep interrupting people as they keep <laughs> talking. It's I have no measurement for that. But anyways, so today, Power of X-Men is a special guest on Philip and Daryl's podcast, X-Factor Files, investigating the X-Men universe. Daryl, of course, is Madrox in the Power of X-Men familia. He hosted our What If coverage and you know we always talked about doing west coast avengers and and other such collabs but you know life gets in the way and it ended up working out because he did x factor files which is such a wonderful podcast you're going to what you're going to do dear listener <laughs> right now is just hit pause and go on to wherever you get your podcast and type in x factor files investigating the x men universe and you're just going to you're going to love it because he and and philip just do a wonderful job and they're so fun and and they talk about the early aughts and what was going on during then it's just such a good vibe and you know the the era of which x-factor that specific run of x-factor was coming out during is such a special era in 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 x-men comics but they had me and flinkman on to discuss the saya complex and of course, we have so many feels about Messiah Complex, <laughs> and and Flink and I were just new friends when this was happening. So, for those of you who know the my my, my history with podcasting, I started a podcast called Generations of X with Flinkman, and and then we we kind of went our own ways, and, and that's how we have Power of X Men. But now Flinkman is back; he is a reoccurring host. Here at Power of X-Men, you all love him. Everyone always DMs me how much they love him. And obviously, I love him, too. He's like my BFF. But what was going on during that era was that, you know, we were learning how to talk about an X-Men crossover together. And excuse me why I sip my coffee here. He and I just every week were speculating because Messiah Complex came out weekly. So head over to X-Factor Files to find out our feelings, on Messiah Complex. And and we go into great detail about that. I mean, it's a two-hour episode. So it is long. So get comfortable. It's gonna be fun. However, for the longest time, I've kind of wanted to do like standalone episodes with a topic. You know, here at Power of X-Men, we sort of have two modes, right? We either talk about an issue or we have an interview. Rarely do we discuss a topic, you know, and it's usually saved for the Instagram Lives. So what I've wanted to do recently is start shifting, you know, to a third mode, which is we have a topic like who is the greatest Summers brother or ranking all of your favorite X-Men characters or top five, you know, X-Villains. Oh, Actually, we did do top five X-Villains, <laughs> funny enough. So we have done top five X-Villains, but point in case that is a very well listened to episode here at the Power of X-Men community. I, I still see, I still get notifications on my podcast platform. Then that came out like almost at this point, like a year and a half ago. Actually, maybe just a year ago, because I think we did for Halloween. Anyways, so we want to do a little bit more topic based episodes. And one of them that I have been brewing in the back of my head is Hope Summers was originally supposed to be Jean Gray. And, you know, this is something that is just lost in modern readers because a, no one cares anymore. Jean Grey is back. Hope Summers is part of the five on Krakoa. She has been well established as her own character. And we want our one true God Queen Jean Grey back as an adult, as she was the moment she died and where she is. But back in, let me, let me tell you something back in like 2004, that it wasn't the case. There was a lot of Questions surrounding Jean Gray and her return. I kind of want to get into it here because if you if you know me personally, if you know the podcast, I like to be objective. I like to remember things how they happen. Not how we perceive them to happen, not how we feel it should happen, how it happened. And of course, the return of Jean Grey <laughs> is something that that means a lot to me as as, as an ex reader. And I was w- watching this closely, and it was very cautiously optimistic. I also happened to be working at Wizard Magazine in the year two thousand and six, and I had some inside tea on what was happening, you know, with the return of Jean Grey. So I want to go through that all in a very quick-ish episode. I have movers coming. They literally just called me saying you have 40 minutes. We're going to be here. So the countdown is on right now. So we're going to try to keep this to just a 40-minute rant. But let's talk about where Jean Grey was at the end of Grant Morrison's New X-Men. At the end of Grant Morrison's New X-Men, Jean Grey dies at the hands of Zorn slash Magneto. And 150 years in the future, the biblical beast, who's just sublime possessing beast, finds the phoenix egg. And, you know, Gene Gray reawakens into this dystopian future where sublime has taken over, humanity has died off. And Gene Gray finds out that Cyclops left the X Men. And because of that, Hank tried to take over the school. Hank McCoy can't do anything. He did kick, which was a drug for for Sublime to inhabit mutants. And everything just went to hell. So Jean Grey sees this future, and she goes, I have to amputate this future. And she cuts out that timeline, and she's in the White Hot Room. And she sees Quentin Quire there, who's also a phoenix. And, you know, there's a phoenix core here. And Jean Grey is the white phoenix of the crowd, which gives her an elevated status. And all these phoenixes surround her. And Quentin Quire says, if you want to grow a new future for the one you've cut away, you have to water it with your heart's blood. So Jean Grey's like, ha, live Scott, live. And she pushes Scott to be with Emma, thereby completely sidestepping that dystopian future that Hank McCoy created by trying to take over the school. So, At the end of Grant Morrison's new X-Men, Jean Grey is very much alive in the white hot room operating on a cosmic level. That is where Jean is. It's not an alternate future. You know, she woke up in an alternate future, but because she's white Phoenix, she's able to cut away that future, be in the white hot room and make sure that Scott and Emma in the present come together. So Jean Grey, very much, though physically dead in the mortal coil, has ascended into the White Hot Room. That is where she is at. Okay. So very much established that Jean Grey is still a sentient being out in the cosmos. She's not just dead. So we get a story called Phoenix Unsong, which, to be fair, Joe Casada originally said this was going to be the last Phoenix story ever told. And we, we know this to be true because Chris Claremont was writing Uncanny X-Men during this time. And in it, Rachel and Betsy have a conversation about resurrections because, you know, Betsy had just come back. And it's sort of let known to the reader via a monologue that Betsy has in, you know, the captions. And then when she's talking to Rachel, that, you know, the phoenix separated itself from Jean. And this time, Jean Grey died for good. So... That was originally, I guess, supposed to be the plan. And because editorial just probably didn't have time to course correct what happened in Uncanny X-Men, they had every intent of the Phoenix separating itself from Gene and Gene dying off for good. That's not what happened in Phoenix Sunsong. And I'll tell you why it didn't happen. It's because when Phoenix Sunsong came out, it was like number one on the shipping list. like It was number one in sales for comics that month. It was insane. So they course corrected what happened in Phoenix and Song because it was so incredibly popular. It was so popular that even issue two was released on like GameSpot, I want to say, or IGN. One of those like video game websites actually had issue two all out there because issue one had been so popular. They wanted to garner new readers for it. So this is what ended up happening in Song. The phoenix returns to Earth and it finds, you know, that Jean is dead and it returns to Earth because she are reconstituted it. And they were like, oh, you brought the phoenix back before its host without its host. So it doesn't have its heart. So it escapes to Earth and it goes to Jean Gray's grave and resurrects Jean Grey. And Jean Gray's like, no, you don't understand. We're both dead. We're in the white hot room. And the phoenix is like, no, we've already left. Left. So the phoenix merges again with Gene's physical body. I I won't bore you with all the particulars of the story because we can get into it. But, you know, the story ends with Gene, you know, referencing Here Comes Tomorrow, saying the little bug people of tomorrow and evolutionary dead end, which in Here Comes Tomorrow, that dystopian future she wakes up in, she annihilates a race of bug people. And she says that, you know, me and the Phoenix are one, you know, she says to Phoenix, you and I are one and she needs to find all her pieces, you know? So at the end of Phoenix and song, she goes to Cyclops and wants to see your eyes. And she says goodbye to Cyclops and Cyclops is like, well, Jean, go out there. No matter what the cosmos tells you, find your pieces, your Jean Grey. And she ascends right back into the white hot room again. So, there was a follow-up story to Ensong song called Phoenix War Song, and there is a very brief cameo of Gene. This is never discussed, but the cuckoos, you know, at the end because there's always a cliffhanger. The cuckoos at the end of Phoenix and Song, a little shard of the Phoenix comes to them, and they're like, "Oh, what took you so long?" So, what eventually happens is the the, the Phoenix kind of goes into the cuckoos in War Song, but they hear Jean's voice at the beginning and they go, She's calling out to us, and they go to Jean's grave, and you know, she says, We're not ready yet. Soon, soon we're ready, but not now. That's what she says to you know, to 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 the cuckoos. Now, why would Jean's voice said, We're we're hatching soon, you know, we're coming back soon. Well, something called House of M happened, and House of M, of course, needs no introduction it's the infamous decimation story where the Scarlet Witch says no more mutants, right? And decimates like 99% of the world's mutant population we're down to like the 196. I believe it was 196, 187. I think it's 198, actually. 198 X-Men Marvel. Let me just do a quick fact check on that. Yeah, the 198. So they're down to 198 mutants. And what was really interesting at the time is House of... um, was Wanda giving the heroes their utmost fantasies. And in it, Emma and Scott are married. And you can, I'm a, listen, I'm a big Emma and Scott fan. So that's totally fine that they're married. But this is a world where people who are dead are back. And what, no one wanted Jean Grey back. The speculation was at the time, the reason why Jean Grey was not in House of Emma is because Jean is in the White Hot Room. She's beyond the reach of the witch. You know, no matter if someone's wishing for Jean Grey to come back, Jean Grey is in the White Hot Room. She's untouchable. She is that powerful. She will not be in House of M. So that's why we didn't see Jean in House of M. Similarly, I will say in Necrocia, Jean Grey was not among the dead that was resurrected. Why? Oh, because, huh, I wonder if she was already among the mortal coil at that point. So let me explain. So during Messiah Complex, which again, we are on X-Factor Files, we go into great detail about the plot. Please go check out Daryl and Phillip's podcast, X-Factor Files, investigating the X-Men universe. But in Messiah Complex, we find out that the first baby since M-Day had been born, right? So Wanda said no more mutants that put a stop to any mutant births. There were no mutants being born. There was no X gene being activated. Wanda took ninety-nine percent of the X gene. Only those that Emma Frost and Doctor Strange during House of M could reach out and protect were absolved of of, of the decimation. You know, and 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 listen, the writers came in retcon things here and there, so don't don't take that word for word. But the idea was that only the mutants that Emma and Doctor Strange could sort of protect from Wanda's spell were the ones who were left with their X-Genes. Everyone else gone, X-Gene was erased. Endangered Species showed this. Endangered Species investigated that, like, they don't know what happened to the X-Gene. They don't know if Wanda suppressed it or she erased it. So, big question mark. Messiah Complex starts off with a mutant being born. First, first, first mutant since i now, the baby's birth was so powerful that it blew out cerebro, cerebra at the time, and they couldn't track the baby because the baby was in, couldn't be tracked through cerebra. So that lends itself to what happened in kind of Grant Morrison, where they were talking about that the phoenix can do anything, she can even blind cerebra. Right, that's a really small little point, and listen, we can argue about that. You can tell me I'm overthinking it, but that to me, when I read it, I was like, oh yeah, mm. that is a nod to Morrison's New X Men, and here comes tomorrow. <laughs> so, you know, the baby at the end, Cyclops holds the baby, and the baby, you know, grabs onto Cyclops's locket, and it opens up, and it's a photo of Jean and Cyclops, and the baby has red hair and green eyes, and Cyclops just literally goes dead. Like, he's just like, (gasps) and Cable then takes a baby and raises a baby in the future. All right, so let me just recap that really quickly because I know it's all over the place with it. So House House of M happens. Wanda decimates the mutant race. There are no active... X genes, with the exception of the ones who Emma and Dr. Strange were able to save. Again, that's, you know, it, 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 the writers wreck on that, but you understand there's only 198, 198 mutants. They are going extinct. Beast tries to find out what happened to the X gene. He doesn't know. I mean, shocking. It's not very good. We don't even know where you guys PhD from. And then Messiah Complex kicks off, and we find out that the first baby since House of M. Has, that has an active X-Gene has been born. The baby is believed to be a boy throughout the entire crossover. Cyclops holds the baby. He says, I have him. Cable says, ha, you have her. Cyclops has a locket around his neck. The baby latches onto the locket. The locket opens up. It's a photo of Jean Grey. Cyclops gives the baby to Cable. Cable goes to the future with the baby. So I was working at Wizard in the year 2005 to 2006. Actually, it was probably 2006 to 2007. And we had an editorial meeting because, you know, you have relationships with these publishers and they sort of let you know what's coming down the line. Now, to give people who don't know about working in magazines sort of a really quick crash course, you are planning ahead for your issues when you work in a magazine. So it's September You are planning your December issue. (laughs) You know, similarly with Wizard, you are in. January and you are planning your summer issues, you know, whatever. It, it depends on the magazine and your turnaround, but you get it. You're working at least three to four issues in advance. I mean, this is back in the day. I mean, this is this is before the internet. I was working at Wizard before they even had a website stabli- established. And I actually did an interview with the Wizards podcast and I talk about my time at Wizard and you guys should go check them out. They're also really great. But in it, you know, I discussed that there was no website at the time. And Rick Marshall, who has gone on to do really great things, was sort of hired to do a website. So I'm, I'm giving you all this context so you know we need to, you know, the writing staff at Wizard needs to meet with Marvel, DC, Top Cow, whoever, and find out sort of what's coming down the pipeline so we have content for, you know, months in advance. One of them was sitting in a meeting about what's going on with the X-Men. You know, my eyes are going crazy here. And we, they discuss exactly Messiah Complex. And that Messiah Complex was a story that brings back Jean Grey as a baby, and that Cable will get the baby and raise her in the future in the same way that Slim and Red raised him in the future so you have those parallels there right and the entire crossover was cyclops sort of regretting his relationship with gene regretting his relationship with cable and if you read the the books at that time cyclops has a moment where he's replaying that scene right before the amicron crystal comes to decimate them and they tell gene and cyclops tell cable that we were actually slim and red who raised you and cable's like i know you're my family, I, I'm i shaped because you guys made that choice to come raise me and and they all hug and Emma's like, oh darling, you need to stop repeating this. You're, you've are gone into uncharted psychic territories. Even for me, I think this is madness. You know, I'm paraphrasing what she said, but it was a big moment for Cyclops. It's showing what makes Cyclops tick and is motivated. You know, similarly in the Psy Complex, when the mansion is destroyed, he's going through his rubble and he finds that locket with a photo of him and Jean. So you understand the Cyclops is... At the core of this, so incredibly, incredibly feeling, longing for his son and his wife. So that is where Cyclops is. That's supposed to be the emotional beat in the story. That is where, when we get to Messiah Complex and he holds a baby, he sees that the baby has red hair and green eyes, and the locket opens to a photo of Jean and the script, even the script in the trade paperback and hardcover of Messiah Complex says, Cyclops realizes who the baby really is. Absolved of any logic or reason, he understands who this baby is and why Cable has to go. and why? Because the baby is his wife reincarnated. Cyclops gives the locket to the baby, to the Messiah baby, and kisses her on the forehead and tells Cable to take her into the future. Now, Messiah complex, it's the plot is right there, right? either the baby's going to raise and be a mutant messiah or the baby is going to cause an entire genocide so the baby's either going to be good phoenix or dark phoenix it is right there i, I it, boom right there and i thought that was a wonderful way of bringing jean gray back into the fold you know you have the x men's first lady reborn in their darkest hour to either save them or destroy them that is Epic storytelling. There's nothing wrong with a predictable story. Anyone who read Messiah Complex sort of walked away assuming the baby was Gene. Right? Again, there's nothing wrong with like a, a an assumed story as long as it's executed well. And that's what Messiah Complex was. It was executed brilliantly. So there is speculation at this time that 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 the baby who would go on to be named Hope would it is Gene Reborn. So what, what, what do I mean by that? Well, Phoenix shards start disappearing from the you know, Marvel Universe at this time. So the Cuckoos have, at following the end of Phoenix Warsong, the Cuckoos had the Phoenix trapped in their diamond hearts. And those actually get ripped out during Utopia and the Phoenix leaves them. Cyclops witnesses this. In space, Rachel is fighting and she starts screaming and the Phoenix leaves her and she goes, no, not now, not now, mom. Mom, who's her mom? Jean Grey. Cyclops, you know, is talking to Emma and Emma says things to him like, you're keeping something to me about uh, about this baby, you know, and we know Cyclops has really good guards up because of what Jean sort of taught him you know, about psychic defense. So Emma can't normally read Cyclops in the way that she would read any other casual person in in, in the Marvel Universe. Cyclops has those defenses in, so he's locked away that he knows the baby is Jean, right? So th- th- these are just mere hundreds of uh, uh, of hints that were put out at the time. But one of the things that was really interesting was that at a lot of panels and, and comic cons at this time, people would ask, Is Hope Summers Jean Grey? You know, I know this because at New York Comic Con, my husband asked if if Hope Summers was Jean Grey, and they said, "Well, we're playing that close to the vest," you know. But there was a a WonderCon panel in 2009 where they asked Matt Fraction, "They're like, is is Hope Jean, or or when is Jean coming back?" And Matt Fraction said, "There's a little girl with red hair and green eyes in the future that you should sort of take note of." I was like, "Oh, okay, there you go." So. You know, that, that's sort of where the, the it was at for a couple of years. And, and the speculation was, is that Gene? You know what I mean? That's why during the croak show, when they were resurrecting everyone, everyone from the dead is coming back. And the cuckoos flat out asked, is Miss Summers coming back? And Cyclops is like, I don't know. No, Celine could not resurrect Gene because Gene had already been reborn as hope. And also because. As we saw in House of M, you can't bring Jean back because she's in the white hot room. She's the fucking white phoenix of the crown. She's beyond the the reach of these petty powers because she's omnipotent. So, you know, at this time, the Messiah baby grows up to be Hope Summers, they name her Hope. And she starts saying things like, well, you know, if Bishop, because Bishop was chasing her and Cable, because Cable grew up in the dystopian future, where the Messiah was not the Messiah because genocide... And the mutants were put into concentration camps, but what? What she says to Cable, she goes, "I, I can never forgive him if he ever killed you, and if he did anything to you, I'd come back from the dead to to avenge you." That's literally what Hope says. I'd come back from the dead, you know. And they show the Phoenix, you know, burning in her eyes. We also, you know, get more hints about that because at the end of cable's series which documents you know cable raising hope she has telekinesis and telepathy you know she says things like oh i sense him nearby you know a bullet comes at her she stops it seemingly with telekinesis listen we i'm just telling you what happened at the time we know hope's powers are very different now but at the time of publishing she was stopping things you know midair, and she was sensing people. Obviously, she was mimicking Cable's powers at the time, but she had red hair, green eyes, telepathy, and telekinesis, and ties to the Phoenix. And she was saying things like, I'd come back from the dead to avenge you, Cable, right? So she also says that everything inside of her is calling her to go to the the X-Men of the present day. And that she's like, I need to see Logan, you know, because she had seen Logan, obviously, during the Messiah War. Um, event but you know she was a child and, and she says everything inside of me is calling to them which is is very lovely. So obviously second coming happens and they don't they don't answer. they really don't answer if Gene and Hope are the same person. What we get is at the end of second coming so second coming let me just go back really quickly for the reader Second coming is when hope decides it's time to come back to the present. And she and Cable arrive, and Bastion and everyone's on alert. You know, Cyclops, you know, and the, and the Cuckoos notice a spike, a new mutant, and it's because it is Hope and Cable returning. And shocker, Cerebra cannot pinpoint Hope because why? The Phoenix can blind Cerebra, so literally, he just knows that Cable's back. But he's you're like, no, the girl's with him. I know it, and he was right. And at the end, there's this big fight on Utopia and Hope literally, you know, there, there's a scene where Cable obviously dies in Second Coming and Hope looks at Bastion. She goes, he was my everything. And it flashes back to when Hope was a little girl and Cable and her are talking and Hope says, how will I know I'm ever ready? You keep saying I'm this muted messiah. And that one day I'm going to know things and that I'm going to be ready. But how will I know I'm ready? And Cable says, something will light up in you like a fire. And once that fire's lit, nothing will ever be the same. So you cut to the present. Hope is about to battle Bastion. Bastion says the mutant and en- the mutant race ends here with her. And she's here like, Cable is my everything and you took him away, and you hear his voice in her head saying, something will light up in you like a fire. And sure enough, she bursts into a big, fiery flame, which we assume is a phoenix, and apparently everyone in this battle does not see it, because there is a line, I forgot who said it, but they're like, whoa, what's happening? What's happening? And the only people who witness it are Wolverine, Emma Frost, and Cyclops. And they start running to towards her, and Wolverine's like, no frost, this is no longer your battle. And Emma bows her head and she goes, I know. And there's this panel of hope inflamed, looking at Cyclops, Cyclops looking at her, and Emma's head being bowed. <laughs> you know, and Wolverine and Cyclops run off to go see hope. So, you know, the was that the Phoenix? You know, you, was she copying Magma's power? I don't know. It, 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 it's vague at that point. It's still vague at this point. It's never really fully answered. I mean, we know she has ties to the Phoenix, but in that particular situation, was it, was it that? Who knows? But the crossover, you know, the event ends. The, the a second coming ends with Emma looking at Hope, who's in front of a bonfire, and she turns to Emma and resembles Jean Grey. So what was happening at this time as well, another hint that happened, was that the Sisterhood attacked <laughs> attacked Utopia. And right before Second Coming, they, they, they infiltrate Utopia. And Emma is psychically being held by Lady Mastermind. And in it, Jean Grey comes to Emma and tells her to prepare. And so at the end of Second Coming... Emma sees Hope. Hope resembles Jean Grey to her in this moment, turns to her, and she gets a flashback to uh, Jean saying prepare. It's also worth noting that in the sisterhood arc, they wanted Maddie to, who was kind of like a ghost. I don't know what she was. They never really explained it. The sisterhood is a terrible story. It's a story I should love, but it's a terrible story. But in it, Madeline is trying to find a vessel and she needs Jean Grey's, you know, body. Why she didn't just go to the long-established graveyard at the mansion that says Jean Grey on the tombstone and, you know, dig that grave up and merge her body there. Why did she have to find a locket of Jean's hair on Utopia just to go to the, the mansion's graveyard? It makes no sense to me, but you know, at the end, Domino happened to be in the area and swapped out the casket, so it wasn't really Jean's body. She was merging in, whatever. Who knows? But What happens in that story of particular significance is that Emma is trapped psychically. She sees this ghostly figure coming to her and she assumes it's Maddie. The ghostly figure says, no, I get that a lot. Emma is being held trapped and gene says oh let me help you uses a phoenix flame to you know unhinge her from 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 the mental shackles that lady mastermind has put her into and she goes emma are you familiar with the phrase you know spirits come to warn little souls or something like that some kind of innocuous phrase and emma's like yes of course i'm like i remember thinking as a reader i was like no one knows about this phrase but sure In, in story emma knows this and It ends, that scene ends with Jean saying, prepare and throwing a phoenix effect at Emma. So, end of Second Coming, they're still posing the question, is Hope Summers Jean Grey? Emma looks at her, has literally a panic attack because she sees Jean goes running to Cyclops. And Cyclops is like, Emma, shut up, look at it. Cerebra is showing all these new mutants, which will eventually become the Five. Yeah, I mean, you heard that correctly. Second coming basically ended with Cyclops telling Emma Frost to shut the fuck up. We have new, new mutants. I mean, like, ah, it was, it was, it was a time. I like second coming. I, I, am being hyperbolic. He says, Emma, honey, quiet. That's what he kind of says. But, um, it's, I like second coming. It was a kind of weird ending. You can tell the course corrected editorially, especially since the Avengers sort of, you know, go in there and obviously we get AVX. So still lots of questions about if Hope is is Jean. During her Generation Hope miniseries or series, whatever it was, they, they're posing that question. You know, Kitty Pride, who comes back at this time, she's here like to Cyclops, have you told her about the city in Arizona? Obviously, Phoenix, Arizona. You know, they're saying, Hope Summers, you're a great girl. You know, nothing will ever stop you from being so great. And then a file drops and there's a photo of dark phoenix in it so you know they're they're posing this question still up until before avx and this is the first time they actually stop it um well wait, wait let me backtrack so during fear itself so during fear itself they they, they do one final one final question mark if hope is gene gray and emma has a vision of the Phoenix coming to her, saying that like she she was his true love and that she always comes back. That Jean is Cyclops' true love and that Gene always comes back. And in fact, she's back right now, isn't she? And in your heart, you know what to do with the redhead girl. So Emma, during fear itself, is convinced that hope is Gene. And I think tries to go smother her with a pillow, but it's fine. It doesn't Doesn't go anywhere. Hope is still fine. And Emma probably forgot any of this happened. So we had all these hints up until then. And then finally, we get AVX Zero, where Hope confronts Cyclops about the Phoenix. And she says something to the effect of you know, I know a lot more than you think I do. I know it's a big time cosmic bird and it's coming for me just like it came for your wife. So please tell me about the phoenix. And Cyclops is like, what? How do you know about phoenix? And I'm like, listen, she's on a mutant utopia. Everyone's seen this girl burst into flames, having phoenix fire in her eyes. You know, she was hanging out with Sebastian Shaw. You literally, there was a file folder with dark phoenix in there. Like, she knows about the phoenix. You know what I mean? At this point, and... Uh, it's not stupid and she she spent like what 16 years being raised by Cable we can assume that Cable at one point accidentally was like yeah my mom like look my mom had a clone who gave birth to me but she came back to life because of those phoenix births so like she was going to be told about the phoenix at a certain point so avx 0 issue 0 ends with her saying to cyclops um i th- i know you think the the phoenix is going to corrupt me but I, that's not my story. I'm not your dead wife. So boom, right there. That's it. That is editorial giving a wink to the reader. Hope Summers and Jean Grey are not the same person at all. And we kind of, they kind of follow through with that. That That is where it ends. Anytime anyone's like Hope is Jean, the argument ends there. Because what eventually would happen during AVX a couple of things happen during AVX in Wolverine and the X-Men issue. Wolverine and Hope are sort of by themselves. And they go to the graveyard, and there's a statue of Phoenix. And Wolverine says, if she were here, none of this would be happening. And Hope is like, I'm not. she's not here, I am. So, you know, there was never any question on the Avengers end if this was Jean Grey reincarnated, you know, at the beginning of AVX. They're like, we've been monitoring the Phoenix, which is bullshit, uh, since the Jean Grey incident. Sidebar, like really, you've been monitoring the Phoenix since the Jean Grey incident. They're talking about Dark Phoenix. Um, I don't ever remember the Avengers giving a flying fuck uh, when Rachel was running around with the Phoenix, or during Phoenix End Song, or Phoenix War Song, or when even Jean herself, during Uxma, was showing signs of the Phoenix. She literally burst into flames in front of the U-Men. So. The Avengers have not been monitoring the Phoenix since since the Dark Phoenix saga, because if, if if they had, they'd be getting weekly updates on that. Oh, and Inferno. On the Inferno, the Phoenix was there as well. And, and they took over Manhattan. So it was a stupid editorial thing. But, anyways, they they don't speculate. Wolverine's like, Yeah, the Phoenix is coming to Earth. Everyone in the mutant community knows where it's going, but no one ever poses the question: is it Gene Gray reincarnated? So during AVX. Not even an issue. She's very much her own angsty self. And in AVX, we get Cyclops, you know, eventually becomes one of the Phoenix, Phoenix 5. You know, we've we've reviewed AVX with Legion on Zoom. So please check out that episode in the archives. But, you know, long story short, the Phoenix is fractured and goes into Cyclops, Emma, Namor, Colossus and Magic. And Cyclops goes to the blue area of the moon and like recreates Jean out of dust. And they have a conversation about the Phoenix. And then at the end of AVX, there's two things that happen. One, you know, from Cyclops' perspective, he ascends past Earth when he's Dark Phoenix. And he notices the wall above him is white. And he hears a voice. It's a chorus. It's shouting at me. And it says, you're a fool. Tell Logan I love the name of the school. So the name of the school was a Gene Gray School. And then in the AVX proper storyline, when he's going crazy with Dark Phoenix, a shadowy figure that is very much presumed to be Gene, it's outwardly stated, saying, Scott, I'm here. I'm here now. Let go of the Phoenix. I'll, you know, don't worry about it. And silhouette is clearly Gene in there. So that, that that's where it ends and hope becomes a white Phoenix herself. And with Wanda says no more Phoenix, the Phoenix implodes around the globe and starts repowering the mutant race, you know? So that's what happens there. All right. So that's what happens. And then obviously the time displaced Jean Grey, teen Jean comes and she's like, Hey, Time the time place the time displaced Gene Gray comes for years. We we're like, she has to meet up with hope. She has to meet up with hope. They have to sort of rectify that. They do not meet until the Gene Gray miniseries. And at that point, the Phoenix is already coming back. Hope and Gene look at each other and they're like, you know, people say we look alike. And they both say, I don't see it. And of course, that story ends with adult Jean returning. And adult Jean has interacted with Hope several times, and there is no, there is absolutely no indication that they are related—a shard of Jean, a Jean Grey reborn, or anything. So, what I think happened, if you want my honest opinion, is that they just scrapped the story editorially for whatever reason. I don't know. I've asked around. People are like, Ooh, "What are you talking about?" They they scrapped the story. I theorize it was because at one point you had Jean Grey, you had Wolverine and Cyclops all dead. I theorize it was because of the Fox rights. You know, they didn't really want to push the X-Men. The story of Jean Grey returning, which had fans going crazy. And when I mean fans, specifically Jean Grey fans going crazy, would have just been a huge commotion. They did give us Teen Gene and the Time Displaced X-Men. That was a really interesting story, but at at some point, point they just decided not to do hope as gene and instead will bring in teenage gene with the 5 taking them from the past bring them into the present for for an era and of course the story has a great ending because adult gene returns in phoenix resurrection she's a huge part of the krokoan age and all as well but i really wanted to talk about that because it's something that no one talks about anymore i feel like a lot of x-men history pre krokoa has just sort of evaporated. And there's sort of like two modes right now, right? You have people like myself who are nostalgic for the 90s X-Men, and then you have people who are really into Krakow and X-Men. That's it. Everything in between sort of has gotten lost in the shuffle and lost how how things played out. So that is my rant. My movers are here. We have a lot of great episodes coming up. We're going to have Alex Brewer on the podcast later this week. He is a sculptor at Mondo, and we interview him about the Mondo series, about the toy industry. It is a great interview. We're going to have Scott Labdell. We're going to have Chuck Austin, all really great talent coming down the line. And that's it, folks. Rant over. Go listen to X Factor Files podcast. Daryl and Philip, they have a wonderful podcast. Flinkman and I are there to discuss my- the Messiah Complex, which is the inspiration for this episode. Well, thanks, Sugar. The Age of Apocalypse is now over, and we'll see you next time. The Age of Apocalypse is over. For now.